0: Some good news out of Washington. This is The Focus Group.
1: It's the savvy side of 9 to 5.
0: Listen. Bueller. Bueller.
1: Bueller. Laugh. (laughs) And learn. Negotiation. This is what you do in business. This is The Focus Group with Tim Bennett. S-T-A-U-N-C-H. And John Nash. Keep your clothes looking
0: neat and clean. We're all business. Except when we're not. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Focus Group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. We thank you all for joining us here every Wednesday live at 1 p.m. East. Also, thanks to those of you that join our podcast, which is Tuesdays, uh, every Tuesday morning, and that's called TFG Unbuttoned. Thanks to the boys in the booth, Garrett and Steve, for bringing us to you each week. And uh, Mr. Nash, how are you?
2: I'm doing good i uh right before we came on air, I was telling the uh the boys at the booth Steve and Garrett that um when you have this camera thing and you're staring into it all the time, I can understand why people in Hollywood start getting kind of you know squirrely about how they look and how they start suddenly visiting plastic surgeons. Because you say yeah, you know what, I, maybe maybe my nose is crooked or my eye you know <laughs> So, I think I have to not look at myself. That's what I'm going to do. But doing well. Um, I was telling now, the guys. Now you're, that, ju-
0: now you're just deciding you're going to start looking at yourself after all these years?
2: <laughs> I know. I was telling the guys that um, uh, this was Mother's Day in a way. Uh, Friday, Bob and I drove down to see my mom and her husband. We picked up uh, dinner in Woodbury and then drove up and sat on her deck. We were all separated. There was a nice little breeze so that, uh, you know particles were going somewhere else and it was delightful to physically see my mom again she was so happy to have us there it was a relaxing time and we stayed outside basically and then we hopped in the car and we had masks and stuff but we didn't wear them all the time and then yesterday we took bob's mom out to lunch at an italian restaurant in jersey and um it was actually the tension was picking her up at her apartment complex where they asked you a million questions when you pulled in have you been here have you been there have you done this have you done that was you know <laughs> Then they let you through and then she couldn't, we couldn't go in. She came out, we took her to this place. We had a a really sweet lunch. It was lots of fun. And it was the second day that Jersey was in, uh, in their opening uh, segmentation. And so other people had come out and the waiter was just clearly very happy to have people at the restaurant again. It was really, he was so cool. And, you know, they're, they're taking all the efforts to make sure everything's, uh, you know, done correctly. And so it was so nice to just sit outside, to have other people around and have, you know, have a nice lunch. So
0: yeah, it's still, I'm in Delaware and it's still very much, uh, Delaware is, I would, I would say as far as I'm concerned, back to normal, other than you have to wear a mask into a rest, into the restaurant, but everything's open. All the stores are open. Shops are open. Outlets are open. People are traveling. Route one is busy. Hotels are booking people. So it's, uh, Beaches are crowded. So it's, um, it almost feels like it's uh, normal summer.
2: Yeah, you bring up a great point about traffic. That was my barometer first figuring out um, where we're at in this. And when we were in New Jersey yesterday driving towards upstate, uh, the amount of traffic, including truck traffic, was indistinguishable from what it had been possibly in February or March before uh, all this happened. So I think everything's on the move, and um, I just actually watched Cuomo's press conference this morning, um, one of his last, actually, because <laughs> now they're going to go back to running the state as he's been doing. Um, and the numbers look good, and so uh, you know, off to a good week. June is looking like a good month, and you kicked us off with some news that uh, it's these decisions come from the Supreme Court at interesting times, don't they? So usually, like during Pride Month, and here, and this was one that we've been waiting for for a while
0: yeah the supreme court uh unless you've been under a rock the uh the supreme court has uh, voted 6-3 in favor of uh non-discrimination to lgbtq people so essentially under the civil rights act that uh lgbtq people are uh, in fact covered under that for employment discrimination and many said that i didn't i was listening to some pundits and uh, many said they felt this was a much bigger decision than even marriage, because not everybody will get married, but of course everybody wants a job, right?
2: That's a great analysis, actually, and I agree with that, because a lot of people don't know or didn't know that I think that you could be fired or let go from your job in upwards of 21 or 22 states, maybe it's even high as 26, that had nothing on the books that would protect you um, based on your sexual orientation. Now, the The thing that fascinated me most about this decision was it was written by Neil Gorsuch, which was uh, the president's first appointee, appointee to the Supreme Court. And when the case was heard months ago, a number of legal analysts suspected that it would go this way based on his record of interpreting. He's a textualist, so he looks at the text of the law and sometimes you know, infers what that means. And I I just have three quick things that I want to read about that. He says that, that Gorsuch wrote the majority opinion was viewed as a major coup by gay rights advocates. They hoped his professed devotion to textualism, an often literal approach to reading congressional enactments, would persuade him to embrace a view that LGBT discrimination is sex discrimination because it involves treating someone differently, at least in part due to gender. Gorsuch did just that, sounding unequivocal in his conclusion about the half-century-old workplace discrimination ban known as Title VII. And his, in, directly from his opinion, my favorite part, which they quoted frequently, an employer who fires an individual for being homosexual or transgender fires that person for traits or actions it would not have questioned in members of a different sex. Sex plays a necessary and undisguisable role in the decision, exactly what Title VII forbids. There you have it, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it was a a huge event. I I would say I was a tad—I was was surprised and also, I I guess, a tad emotional that I didn't expect uh, myself to be because, uh, as many people know, as being identified as others for so long and just growing up with the fact that I'm just not going to be treated as every other American— I thought this was just a a huge deal. And uh, thank you to the Supreme Court.
2: Yeah, thank you. And what a surprise. What a surprise. Naturally, criticism to the decision fell along obvious fault lines. We're not even going to discuss that here. (laughs) I did also want to—go ahead. No, go on. I just saw you take a breath. I was going to say that I— to not belabor that, a lot of people have talked about this decision. It's amazing. It's going to have an effect on huge numbers of things the administration has been attempting to do over the past three years. Another little thing caught my eye, um, though, around the same time, and it was this strange little article I read about dentists. And I know it, it sounds like it doesn't, it doesn't really <laughs> relate.
0: Where's this going?
2: <laughs> so economists, you know, people who study the economy, look at the dental profession specifically dentists and dentist office as a way of gauging this, the the uh, the health of the economy which i think is so interesting and it says here dentist offices tend to be stable businesses that stick around for decades unlike restaurants that open and close frequently dentists earn a healthy salary median income 159000 a year and offer services that no clear that with no clear substitute if you need your teeth cleaned or cavity filled, the dentist is the only option. This makes them in the eyes of some economists the perfect barometer for gauging the country's recovery. If you look at your typical dentist office, nothing went wrong with their business model. It just happened that the event came along, you know, that back in March. So what they're looking at now is how many dental offices are bringing back their technicians and how many patients are returning to the office. And they're going to use that as a gauge for how well the economy
0: is doing. I just thought that was amusing. <laughs> Dentists.
2: Who thought oh, I, th- like- I,
0: I, I thought you were correlating that with the Supreme Court decision. This was just an offshoot caught my eye. Anything else you want to catch us up on today? It's a non-sequitur. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll leave it
2: at that. And I, yeah. and I think we have uh, Billy joining us from New York. Hey, Billy, welcome to the program today.
3: Good afternoon.
2: Are you guys uh, pleased with the decision? Obviously, I bet you are. From the well, and were yeah, you surprised?
3: Uh, um, I've been fired for being gay at the great Johnson Controls. So this this is really really good because private companies for a long time can just say, "Oh, you do a great job, but you don't fit the norm. We have to let you go."
2: Were you guys surprised by the decision? Like it came out of nowhere. Tim and I were on a phone call and he Tim said, Hey, hey, breaking news and we both hopped off and checked our variety of sources and, and it, it just considering seemed like what a h-
3: hot mess our country is right now. Yeah, this was really surprising.
0: <laughs> well said. <laughs> right, and the fact that the decision was written also or, or the opinion was written by the appointee from Trump was also uh icing on the cake.
3: Well, you know, Mike Pence is the he's the purveyor of (laughs) closetness
0: well yeah I saw a bunch of memes people said now Lindsey Graham and Mike Pence can't be fired for being gay
3: there you go
0: I saw that at a bunch of places
3: well I just want to check in boys I got an appointment to get to myself not my teeth but I'll catch you on the fly
2: (laughs) right, Billy thanks for checking in (laughs) not my teeth
0: (laughs) hey we want to uh, we want to thank Magic Spoon this uh, episode of the Focus Group is brought to you in part by Magic Spoon it's a new cereal company that, uh, that's discovered a way to recreate your favorite childhood cereals with zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. So let me repeat that. There's zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs. And they offer four different uh, flavors. They've got cocoa, fruity, um, frosted, and blueberry. They're keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. It sounds too good to be true. It tastes delicious. John, I know you're a huge fan.
2: I'm on my uh, third multi-pack order, and um, I noticed in the picture you pulled to talk about Magic Spoon that there's a cinnamon flavor.
0: Yes, but uh, it was it, 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 there is a cinnamon flavor, but I have not tried that one yet. It was in limited supply.
2: I, I I'm going to need to try first that. Order. All right, so cereal has been one of the things that I – a constant in my life growing up, and um, I loved it as a kid. I mean, Tim and I laugh about cereal all the time because we grew up with this stuff. And then it went away because when you start eating healthy, you know, a lot of cereal is just not – it's just loaded with sugar. So as Tim said earlier, zero grams of sugar, 12 grams of protein, only three net grams of carbs in each serving – this is a new go-to thing for me. It's my maybe 10 o'clock at night, nine thirty, ten 10 snack. And by the way, I should po- point out, for me at least, I do measure it. So I do pour it into like, if it says a serving's a cup or whatever, that's my serving. So I know oh I'm my getting 12 god! Brands. Poor Bob. Poor Bob. There's no fun
0: at that house at all, is
2: there? And then the other out. thing we do with it, and that this is where I don't even pay attention, is I eat it dry as well. Like it's like it's like it's a snack food. It's and and I love the taste of each of the flavors. I was really really pleasantly surprised and super happy to recommend it to anybody. And as I said, I'm on my third multi pack order, and I rotate them. Like I'll open one, then I'll open the other. Um, I think so far uh, cocoa and uh, fruity and frosted are my favorite, although blueberry is climbing up there. And I have to get that cinnamon. So. We would love you to go to magicspoon.com slash focus to grab a variety pack and try today. And if you use the, ter- uh, the code FOCUS, F-O-C-U-S at checkout, you're going to get free shipping. Um, so, again, I would go to magicspoon.com slash focus, use the code FOCUS for free shipping, and discover what we have rediscovered about what we used to love about Saturday mornings. Cause that's actually when we were allowed to have a lot of cereal with Saturday mornings. Were you the same way in your
0: household? We ate it every day. We <laughs> ate it pretty much every day unless it, weekends. My mom would make eggs or maybe pancakes or something, but cereal was yeah. the go-to to get us out on the bus off to school. And uh, I, I've now discovered too, which is bad. I put the cocoa on some vanilla ice cream, which is delicious wow. as a little treat.
2: Tim, as you well. always go above and beyond. You are so clever. <laughs> Thank you for this idea. Thank you so. Uh, Magicspoon dot slash focus. Use the code focus. Get free shipping. All
0: righty. Cool. So, Mister Nash, what caught your eye this week? Besides what the caught dentist, your
1: eye. Here's what Tim and John found. Yeah, I know the dent- dental dentist as a barometer
2: of the economy. Many of you who listen to our show are also fans of DNR and, um, Romaine has a often hilarious Facebook feed. And the other day I was, a post of hers popped up in mine and I couldn't stop laughing and it read, the post had a picture that we're, that we're showing you and it had the following. It said, had to go to the pharmacy to pick up my meds and came across this WTF, a toy companion cat for old people. How is this a real thing? By the way, it was one hundred and six dollars. <laughs> so Woo! I did I did some research, and yes, indeed, there is this thing called uh, it's called Hasbro's Hasbro Joy for All, and it's a robot pet. Uh, and the Joy for All companion pet cats look. There's a dog too. They look and feel and sound like real cats, but there's so much more than soft fur and soothing purrs and pleasant meows. These cats respond to petting, hugging, and motion. I, I just like so. I don't even know if, if I put the URL on there, but if you go to uh, joyforall.com, there is this video of of the cat and the dog doing things like so they distribute them to people in senior living facilities and stuff like that and the cat blinks its eyes it meows it lifts its paw up too now and then it goes paw, the paw goes up and then down so this this toy caught my eye you know and of course it needs four uh four batteries, four C size batteries. Could you imagine the cat running down? <gasps> my cat's dead. Get a new my battery po- for my, that my, getting
0: my pussy stopped purring. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, uh, I guess it makes noise and meows and purrs and does It all purrs. That. The more you pet it,
2: then it starts to purr. And oh. um it, it, and there's a, a kit there's three styles of cats. There's a um uh, a tabby, a black cat, and a gray one. And then there's this puppy and the puppy and and there's they show this old guy holding the puppy and he says, That smile is irresistible.
0: And the, dog, the dog opens its
2: mouth and closes it, and, and then they show this kid. here we go. They have the video.
0: Wouldn't it be nice to bring joy, happiness, and comfort to your aging loved ones? Yeah, oh
1: aging loved you're ones a good girl.
0: with lifelike fur, authentic sounds, and realistic reactions that fill their hearts with love and laughter. This is the kind of a dog to have. I have a surprise. It's
1: a cat. It's really something. It makes you feel
3: happy.
0: Joy for All companion pets make joy, comfort, and companionship
1: happen. They make you feel that you're not alone. She makes you feel soothed. The purring is very comforting. He's got a smile that anybody would love. Give the gift of joy and comfort
0: with joy for all companion pets. <laughs> I'm not Thank so sure gentlemen. some of the, I'm not so sure some of those people knew those were fake pets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a cat, okay? Quite possible.
2: Quite possible. <laughs> I just um, this is one of those things if it can be invented, it will be invented. If it's I don't know. I think a real animal would be nice. I think they bring those into facilities like that all the time to, to meet with the old folks. But
0: um, there you go. Hey, you don't have to clean it. You don't have to do, walk it. No vet bills. Just some battery, battery charges. That's, that's about it. I'm going to look for one of those. <laughs> I'm going to get you one for Christmas. Yeah, me the cat. I
2: think the tabby cat. Yeah. Tabby you know, cat. I might try a hey, of, you know, might try dog. Why not, right? We'll with get the little,
0: his, his cute little bandana on, the little puppy with the bandana. Yeah. Wow, well, that's very good. My, uh, my story, I, I guess, or my, what caught my eye was um, something that I actually fell for, and, but I didn't fall for it far enough. But I fell for it because it was such an incredibly well-done scam. So on Facebook and on Instagram, there's a page that's offering L.L. Bean clothing, and particularly the popular L.L. Bean boots, for $20 and it, they made it sound like in the advertisement that because of the event, there was oversupply of these things and they needed to get rid of them and the, the prices were $26, $20 for the famous uh, L.O. Bean hunting shoe. And you and I, John, having been up to the factory and watched them get made, it, to me it was impossible to think that there would be this glut of them. But I thought, well, maybe so. So I thought, I'm going to do some early holiday shopping. So I got on, I started going through, and I, as I got to the fourth or fifth item, and it said, if you spend over seventy dollars, you get free shipping. Something just made made it click in my head and said, "You know, this is just way too good to be true. They had all my sizes. They had everything that I wanted. And so then I started poking around the internet and found out, in fact, it is a scam that's being run by a company, a computer company in Singapore. And after you put your computer information and all your information is, it just goes blank. They have all your your financial information. You don't get any boots or any shoes, and you're out of luck. And people have contacted LO Bean. LO Bean is obviously upset. They're using LO Bean real images, real pictures, real photography from their catalogs. They have two different websites LO Bean Online Store.shop and LO And if you go to the websites, again, it looks like it's LO Bean. They're using the actual catalog photography, actual product photography. And so thankfully, I went and started poking around and and seeing that this was a scam and everybody said not to do it. And they said, if it was too good to be true, of course, it's the old adage that it is. What I think is shameful is that Facebook and Instagram are allowing this to occur. And despite the fact that I guess the federal government's now involved, as well as L.L. Bean, to say, please take down these sites. They haven't done it yet. And I'm sure a lot of people have fallen for this. So beware. I don't, you know if guys, about this. I don't know if you guys much- could pull up the site. It, 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 um, if if it uh, yeah, if you can go to that site, there maybe that you could see and you could see how perfect uh, perfectly it is and what, what they've done with it and the pricing. I mean, it's unbelievable the prices. And then so it was too good to be true.
2: So is that what eventually tipped you off? Was this as your cart filled up and you're like, hmm, I'm getting all this stuff for like seventy five dollars or something like that, and you're like, okay, there's this is a problem.
0: Well, everybody was going to get boots. I mean, these boots are usually $120, $100. So at $20, I thought, I'm buying everybody boots. Even if I just saw you on the street, I'd give you a pair of boots. If you're watching on the video, there's the there's the screen. And so after I started loading them all up and thought, this is really weird, they have my size and everything. It wasn't like there was only two or three sizes if it was really a, a wholesale blowout. And then I got suspicious, and that's when I poked around. But no matter what I looked for, they had every size. I looked at the moccasins, which are which are close to a hundred dollars. They had those for I think twenty three bucks, and you know they made it this this advertisement on Facebook and Instagram and other social media essentially that, you know, we have to get rid of this stuff because of uh, because the event and and we're just trying to blow things out winter product, and uh, you know buy it now. And I just look at these actual pictures from the from the catalog. And I was as, as
2: as Steve is scrolling through this.
0: Um, these are
2: our DOP kits. Like I, this they yeah, literally went nine, on six, to the what site. What is this,
0: six six ninety nine or how much is it? I can't read that. Six oh
2: nine. It says six ninety nine and normally forty. Yeah, because that's the normal price was thirty nine ninety nine or something for the small one. Um, wow, Tim. It's like they. Well, you can do this, right? You can go online. You can screen grab stuff. You could screen grab a logo and they built this up and but you you got to this through uh, as you said facebook and instagram and i'm surprised they allowed this to go on I, i'm sure bean has complained to the platforms right the two media yeah, platforms
0: no exactly and i've been bombarded with the messaging it, it, in in all of my social media feeds and so that's why after two or three weeks of me and being bombarded with this i thought well it must be legit so that's why yesterday i went on i thought i'm gonna buy some christmas gifts But, uh, yeah, no, it says Ella Bean. They've talked to Ella Bean. They've contacted the the government, the feds, to to get Facebook to do something, and it's just been in limbo. But I think it's shameful that, uh, again, uh, our show's been pulled down on social media because we mentioned the event, yet uh, you allow these scam artists in other countries to actually take advantage of people and steal from them, and that seems to be okay. But that's my social media commentary.
2: (laughs) Sound like Mika. (laughs)
0: <laughs> this morning so, she
2: said something similar. She's like, all this goes on and no one does anything? You know, you know.
0: Well, that's that's the problem, right? That seems to be the issue. So, so there we have it. So today's business birthday. Everyone does celebrity
1: birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays.
0: So happy 54th birthday to American fashion designer, businesswoman, and philanthropist Tori Birch. She was born this day, June 17th, in 1966. She's the executive chairman and chief executive officer of her own brand, Tori Birch LLC. She was listed as the 73rd most powerful woman in the world by Forbes. She was born in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, which is right outside of Philadelphia, to her mom, Reva, and dad, Bud. And uh, she was raised with her three brothers right outside of PA. She actually has one of her shoes, the Reva Flat, is named after her mom, which I think is great. Her dad was a uh, an investor who in, inherited a stock exchange seat as well as a paper cup company. I'm getting either. I don't know if you're going to get either of those things, John a a stock exchange seat or a paper cup company. But uh, it's an odd inherit.
2: <laughs> you know, it's kind of an odd thing: paper cups and a, a seat on the New York Stock Exchange. Right?
0: <laughs> that, that's what I thought too. Uh, she had gone to the Agnes Irwin School in Rosemont, which is a great school. I laughed at this. Her first job was at the King of Prussia Mall, which is a huge mall outside of Philly. But her first job was at Benetton, and we actually did a Benetton business birthday a few weeks ago. Uh, she went to the University of Pennsylvania, she, where she studied art history, and uh, and then after graduating, she went up to New York and she worked in a number of uh, for a number of different fashion houses as well as uh, some magazines and and fashion PR. She worked for places uh, such as Vera Wang and Polo. And then it was funny. She opened her first boutique in Manhattan at the age of 37. And this was after she sh- she took some time uh, time off at home uh, to raise her three sons. And she said she launched the company in her kitchen amidst the chaos of children in the house. She had no design school training or experience running a business. And uh, although opening a sing- single boutique um, may have seemed small to some, they said that she she had high hopes and aspirations. And she said she wanted to start a global lifestyle brand. And in her words, she said, I had no idea what that meant. But uh, as of today, she has got over 250 stores, uh, um, 3,000 additional locations in various department stores. And uh, she's won all kinds of awards, particularly as it pertains to uh, women's issues and uh, fashion industry issues. And what I like about her is that uh, she started out, the company started out as a socially conscious brand and as a leader, um, Tori Birch herself stands for uh, for all these causes that really are true to her mission, particularly when uh, it comes to championing women and equality in business. And she got her name Birch. She married in 1996 Christopher Birch. They have three sons. And uh, here's a head-scratcher. She dated Lance Armstrong in 2007. Remember that?
2: That was actually um, mentioned in the ESPN documentary that aired on 30 for 30 about three or four weeks ago. It was a string of women that he actually high profile women. I, I, was she before Cheryl Crow or after Cheryl Crow? Do you know?
0: She was, she was after Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it would talk about a one degree of separation because of, of people, both you and I know, but I, I, I just thought that one was a, that one was certainly a head scratcher. And then in November, 2018, she married uh, Pierre Yves Roussel, who was the former chairman of LVMH. And he now works for Birch's company. So I, there's two things uh, that I would say about this. One, she's busy. When you look at all the philanthropy and all the foundation work she's done, she's raised over $100 million for women's uh, small businesses, loans, and entrepreneurship, and then also lots of uh, money raised around uh, women in healthcare, care, particularly with, with breast cancer. And so she's busy. I think she should do a men's line. I would love a men's line or a brand of maybe some home items. I'll say three things. She'll do a men's line. <laughs> she and then she should be a sponsor of the focus group. But uh, <laughs> so that that's the selfish, selfish part of me. But I always like these sort of birthdays. She should do our wardrobe. Wardrobe provided by Tori well, Burch. By, by Tori Burch, Wouldn't it be great? My guess is she'd probably have to name it after uh, maybe. Well, Tori. I don't know. Could it be Tori Burch men's? I have maybe she'll, no she'll problem do something with- different in fact
2: as i'm looking at her i love her logo um and i think that that could easily be translated to a line of menswear it's just a simple collar change or something if you wanted to do it that way but um yeah i cool businesswoman right very cool excellent business birthday
0: she was she was also listed i believe i don't know i don't think this has changed but at one time she was the the youngest uh, woman in business that was a billionaire i believe oprah was the first but she was the youngest that was uh, a billionaire in business so Happy happy 54th birthday to Tori Birch. Here we go. So many of you know that a partner here of ours for quite some time has been Deep Discount. Right now they've got their site-wide sale going on. We love Deep Discount because of all the great uh, items you could find there. And we believe that they certainly have the best prices for popular items as well as hard-to-find items. So if you go to focusgroupradio.com, click on the deep discount logo and start shopping away as we said it's site-wide summer sale what did you find this week mr nash
2: in honor of um june being pride month and being that since the event is eclipsing many things (laughs) the event sorry when you and i when you and i started to do that it solves a lot of problems but it even makes it kind of strange and funny Um, In honor of Pride Month, I have chosen from the Criterion Collection, which uh, if you've watched our show a number of times, you'll know that Tim and I speak of the Criterion Collection as if it's the Holy Grail, because they do a beautiful job of remixing the movie, fixing the audio, and cramming a lot of great extras in. The film I picked is Paris is Burning. And uh, Paris is Burning is a snapshot of the 1980s ballroom scene. And this is where voguing came from. And uh, it it looks at a number of performers that have names we all recognize now. Willie Ninja, Pepper La Beja, Dorian Corey. And it was a film that was shot over a, I want to say it was like a seven year period um, during the AIDS crisis when these balls gave people a lot, an outlet, a creative outlet, a, uh, a place to be special and cool. And we loved the movie when it came out and I still can watch it end to end. And I think it's a really great documentary. Do you remember Paris is Burning? Is it one of your favorites?
0: I do. I don't know if it's one of my favorites, but I did. I did really enjoy it. I haven't seen it in quite some time. And, uh, so it's, it's good to remind me of that. I'll have to, uh, have to have to, uh, put that in my queue. And as you said, if it's part of the criterion collection, we know it has the kind of the good housekeeping seal of approval. So I love that one. I picked something, um, that popped in my head the other day and I just started laughing. It might've been because I've been watching the show Schitt's Creek, but it's waiting for Guffman. And, uh, (laughs) Lots it of the was, same
2: cast, right?
0: Y- yeah, it, it originally uh, came out in 1996. It's only 84 minutes long, as long as a movie should be, um, part of the Warner Archives. But I, I just love the description of it. It says, the town of Blaine, Missouri, is preparing for celebrations of its 150th anniversary. Corky St. Clair an off, 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 off Broadway director is putting together an amateur theater show about the town's history, starring the local dentist, here we are with the dentist, a couple of travel agents, a Dairy Queen waitress, and a car repairman. He then invites the Broadway theater critic, Mr. Guffman, to see the opening night of the show, and of course, hilarity ensues. The uh, You can get it both on DVD or Blu-ray, and uh for uh, under fifteen bucks for the Blu-ray and uh, just twelve dollars and one cent for the DVD, I like this sort of humor. Some people don't like this humor. I like it for kind of the tongue-in-cheek and the irony of it. And you really have to pay attention to the dialogue and, and just see the characters. and And there was a number of these different um, films that were done by Christopher Guest and, and the cast, as you mentioned, that I just think are hilarious.
2: So I'm so glad you picked this. It's one of my favorite movies, and uh, this kind of movie making was kicked off with a film that actually is is heralded as one of the top 50 films you got to watch in your lifetime, and that would be This Is Spinal Tap, the mockumentary right. about a you know about a heavy metal band, and we really loved Waiting for Guffman because again the characters are completely accessible and wacky, and Corky St Clair as the you know, he goes to the town. They give him a. He's going to. The, the town made stools. Remember this song? Stools, 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 stools. And he asked for like a multi million dollar budget. And they're like, well, we, we're going to give you like $500. He goes, asshole people, asshole people. And uh, Parker Posey, who I love, plays uh, uh, the lead actress uh, in this centennial thing they put together and they found her in the movie. She's from the Dairy Queen and they're interviewing her in the movie. She's like, well, you got your blizzard, you got your snow cones. (laughs) And at the very end of this movie, um, there's a really great scene where he is Cokie St. Clair makes his way back to New York city and he owns a bookstore or some kind of little gift shop. And he's got this doll set up and off camera, you hear someone say, what is this? He goes, Oh, it's the, my dinner with Andre action figures. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh Andre, you know all the best restaurants. <laughs> and it's great pick. Great pick. So yeah.
0: um And what was excellent. the new release this week? Uh
2: silent film fans rejoice. Another Criterion collection uh movies. It's called The Cameraman and it's on Criterion. It's a uh, Buster Peak Buster Keaton is at the peak of his slapstick powers in the cameraman. It is the uh first film that he did when he signed on to MGM, which is You know, Metro Golden Mayor and viewed as many by many critics as his last great masterpiece because he retained creative control over the project from start to finish. Um, Keaton plays a hapless newsreel cameraman desperate to impress both his new employer and his winsome office crush as he zigzags up and down Manhattan hustling for a scoop. Along the way, he goes for a swim and winds up soaked. becomes embroiled in a Chinatown Chinatown Tong War. I don't know what a Tong War is, and teams up with a memorable monkey sidekick, the famous Josephine. Now that must be a like a, a monkey from famous old movies in the past. Uh, the Marvel marvelously in film within a film setup allows Keaton's imagination to run wild. Um, I'm a big fan of Buster Keaton, so this is going to make its way into my collection because the silent films really had a language to them that were so was so brilliant pantomime eyes the whole bit so the release this week is the cameraman from the criterion collection and that's on blu-ray so just to recap folks uh, go to focusgroupradio.com click on the deep discount logo it's sharky sharky the shark and uh start your shopping it's a site-wide summer sale i picked paris is burning on criterion collection tim picked the fantastic waiting for guffman needs to be in your library. And the release this week is The Cameraman, also from Criterion Collection on Blu-ray. What do we say, Garrett? Thanks, Deep Discount. We are going to take a super quick break, and when we return, we have a shock talk for you, which I think you'll enjoy, so stay with us.
1: You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Focus on the savvy side of 9 to 5 with The Focus Group. Try, really try. Listen, laugh,
0: and learn with Tim and John.
2: I never try anything. I just do it.
0: Hey, welcome back to The Focus Group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. Be sure to go to focusgroupradio.com to learn all about us and uh, find all of our free programming, both audio and video, it's over there at focusgroupradio.com, and so is our social media branded as Focus Group Radio. We haven't said hello to the boys in the booth yet. Garrett and Steve, what do you, how, how are you guys doing? We haven't seen your, seen your long your long dreads.
1: Doing fine.
0: You're doing fine. I yeah.
3: need a haircut. Well, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what I'm figuring too. I'm wondering when I can get one because even trying to get a haircut is is a little difficult right now. I think. But you can in Delaware, right? you have to there's all kinds of rules about it. i i i actually got a pedicure if you can believe it which was hilarious but the uh i could not believe it at, they're touching your feet like well, i can't even get my head touched I, <laughs> well you listen put a mask on my face
2: your toes are 6 <laughs> feet away from your mouth usually so, i mean yeah but they're gross uh,
0: <laughs> they had a whole screen set up they had they had done this whole contraption essentially there was zero zero contact and they, of course they wore gloves anyway but it uh i was able to do that and they said anything else and i said yes if i could have a haircut and they laughed but you can—they're only allowing two people in an hour to any of these salons, which still there's no way you could survive if that stays stays going. So, but um, or I'm just going to let my hair grow long. I thought maybe not getting a cut until December.
2: Well, Bob's mom has an appointment on the calendar for I think next week or something, and she is—it's the fixation point. I'm going to get my really? hair done. Really. <laughs> I cut mine last night, but then again, I'm going bald, so I've got it easy. I got the clippers, and I know what to do. And I, but I like it, and I see why you all miss getting your haircut because it's one of those things. It's just a nice thing, right? You look in the mirror. Well, you've like
0: cut I, you've cut your hair by your, you've cut your hair for quite a while by yourself, haven't you? Yes, uh,
2: for about um, seven years now, maybe seven wow. or eight. Um, and uh, I remember when I went to a crew cut, and I saw my old haircutter Tommy. Uh, from this barbershop down in Chelsea, Irish guy. And uh, he's, oh, John, it's so good to see you. And I see you've given up the ghost. And I'm like, What's <laughs> What's like what ghost? are you talking about? He goes, you gave up the ghost. He goes, You're doing your own hair now, I bet. looks great. And I said to him, he goes, well, we all, you know, because we used to cut my hair. He said, you know, you would come in and we they'd wash whatever the hair was. <laughs> Cut it, but the ghost was getting my hair cut at a salon. I could have done it myself, right? So you gave up the ghost and you went to cut it.
0: Did
2: you cut <laughs> Bob's hair or did he cut it himself? Or is he growing long? I gave, I gave, I gave him a event cut, as I'll call it. Um... Several weeks ago and I kind of followed a video and then I kind of didn't and ended up with a crew cut.
0: <laughs> so I kind of followed that, a video and kinda kind of didn't. didn't.
2: I couldn't figure out the feathering and this whole thing with like the the, the top and so it just got a crew cut. And for a while he truly did look like Dustin Hoffman in the movie Rain Men, which people used to mistake him for in the city years ago. And uh, I remember that we did a family Zoom call the day I gave him the the, the cut, and everybody on this call was, "What happened to your hair?" I felt terrible, but I thought, "Well, it's clean and neat." So now he's telling people it's growing back, and he's gonna he wants to wait to officially get it cut by a by a barber.
0: I think you should let it go long too. Why, would he would he ever let it grow out?
2: Or he's a short hair guy? You know, it doesn't. I I think that um, it depends on the person, and I think with him. It, it, Going long, quote-unquote, I think means still having a stylist help control that process,
0: <laughs> Right, if that makes sense. So, I get it. Well, good for him. So, hey, today's Shop Talk, uh, in honor of June Pride, says how lavender became a symbol of the LGBTQ resistance. This was a bit of a wonky article. Um, I actually I, liked it. I'm glad did, you pulled it. Did you? It's so. It talks about how lavender, and and this happens with other colors or other symbols within within history, how they become associated with either certain movements or certain things. And this particularly revolves around lavender, or I would say purple, and how it got to be uh, a color associated with uh, the LGBTQ movement. They said they think in Western culture it started life um, as a color desire thanks to the lyric genius of seventh-century poet Sappho, whose papyrus fragments told of her erotic predictions for younger women with violet tiaras (laughs) you you almost need a do you understand that john yeah i do i read that passage and and, and i laughed
2: no it's a tim picked this and it's a good article because it actually goes from the 1800s well earlier obviously greek times uh but mostly it went from like the 1800s forward the 19th century so Um, there was a point in time where the color became very associated with, um, esthets. I love that, you know, people who are obsessed with aesthetics and, and, and as such, it was viewed as a feminine, not least of which is because one of its prominent users was Oscar Wilde, who frequently wrote about and reminisced about the purple hours spent with (laughs) you. I love this. Who whose purple hours spent with rent boys and provoked a moral scandal with the homoerotic themes in the picture of Dorian Gray. I did not under, you know Dorian Gray is an interesting book because there are those things in there. But um, then you move ahead into the, the 20th century and you look at the 1930s, and this was the part that I was most fascinated by. I was not aware that people used to say things like, oh, they have a dash of or a streak of lavender. Don't you have examples of this? from other linguistic things like he used to say that there was a phrase that people used to use light in the loafer," stuff like that
0: or he's got a touch of mint yeah or uh, he's got a little gas in his tank or you know <laughs> something to that effect but i i laughed at this one too i didn't realize I, there was a, there was lots of rumor always about abraham lincoln and some of his close uh friendships he had with males but they had said that um in here too they talk about uh lincoln's early friendships as containing a streak of lavender and spots soft-as-may violets. I think we talked differently then. I don't know if we would ever say <laughs> that now, would we? Yeah, that's true. The one then, thing course, that shocked we, me was this Eisenhower thing.
2: Did you know about this? You no, know, and all right, I should take that back. I did, but I did not associate it with President Eisenhower. So this was a revelation to me. So why don't you tell us about that?
0: So it says, during the McCarthy era, there was a state-sanctioned there was state sanctioned discrimination when President Eisenhower signed an executive order. They gave the number 10450, which became part of a national witch hunt to purge homosexual men and women from the federal government. It was dubbed the Lavender Scare by historian David Johnson. And it led to around 5,000 federal uh, agency employees losing their jobs based upon their sexuality. So it's funny that we're talking about this, plus what happened with the Supreme—not funny, but what happened with the Supreme Court this week. But I had no idea that that was, that was tagged to Eisenhower. I was kind of shocked because Eisenhower is one of those presidents you don't really hear too much about. And we were born just after he was president, right? So there, there was never a lot of discussion around Eisenhower. At least there never seems to be, unless I could be wrong, that, you know, I, that the, I've heard of. You
2: know, you—, you the, I had an erroneous assumption about him um and it's based on the fact that he was a general not only right. not only a general but like leader of the command you know the allied forces the whole bit um and I always think of the military as the most advanced organization in terms of inclusion and diversity certainly we've seen this you know over the last couple of decades but uh, but of course Eisenhower precedes A lot of the civil rights movement and a lot of different things that changed the military moving forward. So once I put this all together in my head quickly in the timeline, I realized that, well, okay, maybe it's not so surprising that he signed this because he wasn't as, you know, my assumption was, oh, he comes from this really cool military. They're so uh, advanced and integrated. Not really, because his time period was a little different. And now the go ahead.
0: No, and a lot of that still held on into the 80s. I, I even know when I interviewed for uh, a job with the government that uh, they, they would harp on that question, particularly for security clearance as to sexuality or gender and so forth. And I just remember being very uncomfortable about the whole thing. And then them saying, you know, if you've ever experimented or any, anything to the effect of if you if you lie to us about anything, you're going to get caught and then you're going to be in bigger trouble. And I know a lot of that has changed supposedly. We we hear about it uh we had talked to some people from the State Department that said that certainly changed. But when you think about it, um people that were gay or lesbian or identified as such were not welcome to work in the government, at least not yeah. openly. True.
2: And um now we have lavender as just a palette of designers or a color that's part of the palette that designers use. And um I never really think about it too much, and in fact, you and I, <laughs> having grown up in Connecticut with the preppy handbook, I mean, who didn't have a pink shirt, right? Didn't you have to have a right. pink
0: button-down? Get <laughs> <And> a pink.
2: <laughs> it's not lavender, but um, and well, recently, I, I took my mom to a, a medical appointment many months ago, um, before the event hit, and I was wearing a lavender button-down and gray slacks and and a pair of like loafers or business shoes or something, and I remember the nurse looking at me and she said, you look so handsome, so put together. She's like, I wish more men were not afraid of color.
0: <laughs> so she was calling you a dandy. Just, well, in her own sweet
2: way, I suppose she was. Yes, I'll
0: have to go back and have words with her about words. That, but... with her. So you, you do, though, I was going to say you, you, you always have had, I believe you like purples. You do like purples. You've had some purple things over the years. I remember you wearing two events. You used to like purple and camel together.
2: Yeah, it actually doesn't look bad on me. I think that might be why. I mean, red, eh, navy blue, you nailed that for me years ago. You you actually I don't know how long ago you was you're like, these are your colors. Gray, navy blue, you had a bunch. Pink I can get away with too, because of my skin tone. And lavender, like I just got a new shirt for the summer, like a short sleeve thing, it's checked white and and purple checked shirt and it looks great. And I never even think about it. It's just like a color that I know I look good in. But right. now we have a history to it. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And so they I I, uh, so when we saw this article, I thought it was uh, was interesting because you don't think about sometimes how these colors get uh, associated with different different things, particularly with the LGBTQ community. Now they're saying you're going to see a lot of this and you are seeing a lot of this on the runway in 2020. And they think a bit of it's an act of defiance uh, of reclaiming the color. So you'll see lavender out there and uh, and purple, of course. Last year, I think it was orange, wasn't it? it? Was the color? Was that the color on the runway?
2: Do, do you remember? I, it might have been orange, uh,
0: but I think
2: they still do this. There was a um, company in New York called Colorbox, and they used right. to actually pick the color. Like this, the color for 1998 is going to be blue, and it was a certain like cerulean <laughs> blue or whatever. And then Pantone would follow suit. But did, I, I'm guessing people still do color predictions, right?
0: oh yeah very clothing very very much so and for cars and and um they know out 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 a certain amount of time what what the colors are going to be do you have a favorite color blue blue is one of my favorites and i have to tell
2: you a certain shade of lavender is also one of my favorites so
0: (laughs) this is a good article
2: hey we have uh don from alabama on the line with some space news for Uh us don welcome to the program sir hi guys uh I just wanted to touch
3: on real quick that uh, the 25th, or let's see, the 21st, will be the one-year anniversary of the launch of the space of the uh, light sail two, and I'm wondering if you are following that little project from the Planetary Society.
2: So the light sail is a is an idea oh, that's been many, many, many years. Yep. Um, on the drawing board, and basically the idea is, it's a, a large piece of mylar or some very thin gossamer thin. Mm-hmm. I love that word, foil that is pushed through space by the photonic energy of the sun. Photons actually, if I'm not mistaken, have mass and they have momentum. Am I right about that?
3: They have energy, and it they have will, energy. it can convert to uh, momentum.
2: So Sometimes these have they, no
3: mass. That's why they're able to travel at 186,000 miles a second.
2: So they they, they put up in orbit, um, high high Earth orbit, if I'm not mistaken, to to avoid all the effects of our atmosphere and our magnetosphere. A test sail. I don't know how big it was though, Don. It's not very big, is it?
3: Uh, the craft itself is about the size of a healthy loaf of bread, but the sail is about the size of a uh, tennis court. And uh, it has managed to climb itself up to about a 750-mile uh, orbit and is uh, progressively, as it uh, moves into an acceleration phase, climbing higher and higher. So it has climbed above the International Space Station already.
1: Wow. And this is um,
3: a, yeah, this is a vehicle that is, it is moving um, without benefit of any engine system. It only has the slight articulations Solely by of
2: power yeah solely by the photonic power of the sun, yeah. the idea Bloody here is that if you build a uh, 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 a surface large enough that you could someday take a craft to Mars or the outer planets um without any onboard fuel, which would be great because then yeah. you could change the whole equation
3: correct and 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 with the eventual acceleration of upwards of a hundred thousand you know being able to to get up to about fifty, sixty thousand miles a second.
2: I did Ooh. not know it could go that fast. That's uh, yeah. of course. Well, let's talk about braking now. No, <laughs>
3: <laughs> braking's later. You know, acceleration first, then braking. That's that's where you get into the, the the fun part of it. It's not the it's not getting up to speed. It's the stopping. That's the fun part.
2: Hey Don, but do you yeah. happen to know when the? Um, The Dragon is coming back from the space station. Many of you know that uh, SpaceX launched a uh, crew capsule uh, in partnership with NASA to the International Space Station. It was this highly successful mission. They're up there now with the Dragon. Are they staying for a long time, or is that coming back soon?
3: Uh, They're going to stay up for about uh, 14 weeks, and then there will be a return. But that's contingent upon a couple of other things, as well as um, a follow-on potential resupply mission so you know look for a return you know 12
2: to 16 weeks out from uh their docking day wow uh, i i would uh probably we've talked about this before i've often said i'll pay cash money to go up there and sit by that window in the space station for oh, hours <laughs> what are you looking at, at me. you're looking at is the there, earth below is there
0: is there a translator up there do the russians know english because I know the English don't know we don't know Russian. I, I bet, right?
3: Well, actually, the, most of the guys who who flew on the Russian craft got a fairly healthy amount of bilingual training. Uh, the <laughs> Russians had a functioning, uh, at least the Russians I interacted with had a functioning understanding of English. But when you got into the technical stuff, you know, fortunately everyone speaks math, but. Um, if you wanted a really good job at NASA over the last
0: ten years, learn to speak Russian, and you, wow. you had it made. I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Yeah, well, I, wondered that, about, well, I wondered about that up there. Whether there was, there's so few people. Whether the if there was a language issue, or, was, or is there? Is English the international language in space?
3: English is the international language in space, and the metric system is the international system of measurement. Is the measurement is the system of measurement?
0: So we got the one for two. The only
2: one who still functions with the. Inches and and feet and miles. The good old imperial system, which threw me for a massive loop this week. I'm not even going to go into what I had to deal with. Uh, It was such a math problem. It was about square footage, square inches, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, what's so much easier if you could divide by 10, which is the metric system.
3: Well, once once we slammed a $3.5 billion spacecraft into Mars, because we didn't convert from yards to meters correctly, we figured out we should stop doing that.
2: <laughs> all right, Don. Thank you Bye, for Don. calling in, my friend. Thanks. Have a really
0: great week. <laughs> it's time to convert to a new measurement system. Well, that Anything me. Anything else you what, want to what, go what, over, Mr. What, Bennett? Well, no. Just on that point about measurement. One time, in at the Detroit Motor Show, um they decided they were going to bring all these displays in from Europe, and of course, they were done. The measurements were all different so these um escalators and all these things were short they didn't fit correctly so they were building all these they had to quickly b- build boxes and so forth for people to walk up onto the escalators because they weren't long enough and it was a real disaster but that is an issue because as americans we uh we've stuck by i think our generation was the last they gave up after us we they tr- remember they tried to teach us the metric system and, you and, uh, and I, celsius and our, I our, our, we we had none of it
2: I still grapple with zero degrees Fahrenheit versus what that is in Celsius or Kelvin. And um, what is the United Kingdom is still on the imperial system, right?
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's the only two. Yeah.
2: But but not thirty-two. Thirty-two is zero.
0: No, no. Because if you watch, you watch their weather. Even Canada with their weather. Um, My grandmother in Canada at the time. My grandmother in Canada, when they changed over right before the U.S. was supposed to, which they said is one of the reasons the U.S. did not, but it was a disaster because Canada was built a lot of their homes, and, and think about it, curtains and bedding and everything was built in the old system. And so even making a cake with ingredients instead of a half a cup, it was now 300 milliliters or whatever, and everything was a disaster. It it, it ended up being a real problem to try to convert all the measurements correctly because people what what was a cup now who knew what a cup was or or a, or yeah, a half I, gallon or a quart and
2: i think we grew up at, at a point where it was sort of solidified that we had a visual representation in our head of what something was like i could basically right. look at something and say ah it's two feet that's like this connection you make that if you had the
0: change that you know "Hmm, that's 22
2: centimeters
0: (laughs) something like that right or your curtains right if you're hanging curtains you're hanging curtains in your house and you do their well the ceiling's about nine feet tall or whatever and so yeah no it's uh i don't think we'll ever change back i guess i don't know the way the world is now that's probably the least of our worries
2: right least of indeed the metric versus the imperial system all right
0: we're gonna hold it and wrap it up there We want to
2: thank everybody for joining us this week. Um, Check out Unbuttoned, our Tuesday podcast, and you can find that at focusgroupradio.com, along with all the information about me and Tim and our shows. We want to thank Deep Discount for being a partner of ours here on the Focus Group uh, this week there the new release is the cameraman by buster keaton i picked a movie called paris is burning and tim picked waiting for guffman because deep discounts got a site-wide summer sale going on and the prices are fantastic go to focusgroupradio.com click on the deep discount logo stop your shopping start your shopping sorry and again check out magic spoon cereal magic spoon cereal and use focus to get free shipping I think you're going to fall in love with it. It's 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 a treat for adults that actually gives you protein. So, hey, not so bad. Everybody, um, don't text and drive. Arrival alive and have a very good week.
1: It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.